Welcome back, Crack fans. As always, I'm your host, Dalton Thieneman. This is our first episode back of 2018, and, and there's already been so many compelling storylines to cover. Thankfully, it's no longer the offseason, and we have tennis at our fingertips. Nick Kyrgios wowed us at Brisbane, dominating American Ryan Harrison in the final despite a bum knee. Uh, the Swiss took home the trophy at the Hopman Cup, but Angelique Kerber has looked completely zoned in. And I think everybody's taken notice there on the women's side. And then, of course, we have the injury bug from 2017 following us into the 2018 season. Unfortunately, um, Annie Murray out with the hip surgery that is anticipated to come back for the grass season this summer. Uh, we've got Djokovic, Nadal, Nisha Corey pulling out of tournaments. And then, of course, Azarenka and Serena bowed out of the Australian Open due to getting back into shape and then the parenting issue with Azarenka. But it should be a wide-open draw on both the men and women's sides uh, for the Australian Open. So let's hope our next-gen talent out there takes advantage. Uh, we absolutely cannot wait. But for now, go check out CrackedRackets.com. We have plenty of riveting series going on right now and a lot of content uh, fresh up on the site that you should check out. College Contenders uh, is always the Tennis Tribune every Friday. The next-gen series uh, with the latest player, Michael Moe. Uh, the Great Shot Podcast just had an episode last week about Riley Opelka, and I'm pretty sure they hit the 15 uh, mentioned threshold about him being seven feet tall, so go check that out. Alex Gruskin, Max Rothman, and Max Fliegner have a real treat for you. Every Wednesday there, as always, go subscribe and rate their podcast on iTunes. And I also want to give you a little teaser again about our upcoming 30 for 30 style docuseries called Cross Court Chronicles. Uh, we'll be launching that soon, and the very first episode will be Fire and Ice, uh, the Maria Sharapova and Serena Williams rivalry, and that will be available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to check that one out. It's going to be a great one, Crack fans. You're going to love it, so stay tuned. All of that um, at CrackedRackets.com. But on this edition of the Cracked Interviews, my co-host for the evening, Alex Gruskin, and I are joined by our guest, American tennis player Tommy Paul. Tommy joins the pod to discuss reaching 151 in the world in 2017, the slim margins in the pros, his personal goals and predictions for 2018, the Eagles' chances of winning the Super Bowl without Carson Wentz, and that's, that's a funny one, and then uh, shed some light into he and Riley Opelka's favorite saying, sending it. Uh, so I think you're really going to enjoy this one. Uh, so for now, enjoy my conversation with Tommy. Well, first and foremost, Tommy, welcome to Cracked Interviews by Cracked Rackets. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. As we talked before, I'm sure by now, uh, you know, with Riley and Deaton and Noah and those guys being down there, you've probably heard about us, but uh, we're extremely to have you on tonight. Yeah, I've definitely heard some, some things. <laughs> <laughs> Good or bad? Good or bad? Yeah, they all, they all say the things. Uh, 
Hey, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, sorry, I was going to say, don't let Dalton get cocky this early in the interview. <laughs> <laughs> um, so speaking of also tonight, I'm uh, joined by host of the Great Shot podcast, Alex Gruskin. Pleasure to meet oh, you, Tommy. Yeah, you too. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, I actually, I was doing a little research and before we get into the tennis stuff, I heard you on uh Beyond the baseline, I just got to ask, uh, you know, you predicted an Eagles Super Bowl victory, and you were looking pretty good for that. <laughs> what are you thinking about Carson Webb? <laughs> I knew somebody was going to ask me about this. I said <laughs> Eagles going all the way to the Super Bowl, and I don't I don't know who it was that told me that it wasn't happening, but, I mean, I was a little upset. And, I mean, they could have done it, but I don't know with this whole Nick Foles thing. could be tough. I mean, he took him to the playoffs a couple of years back. Who knows? Don't don't sleep on yeah, no, he, no, no, I'm definitely not going to sleep on him. I'm definitely going to uh, support very far <laughs> from the couch. <laughs> oh, I expect to see a new Instagram photo with you rocking number nine. I have I have one of his jerseys from when he when he played before. <laughs> there we oh go. man, you got to dust that off and and bring it out and back into the mix then for sure. <laughs> I might have to for the playoffs for sure. I'll have to bring it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but kind of just a basic outline as where we're gonna go. Uh, we've been kind of following this trend. Uh, junior, your decision to to forego college and then professional. Uh, you know, you're 2017 and what to expect in 2018. So I'll let Gruskin. Start us off with uh, your junior career here. All right. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll start with a fun one again. Um, I did, again, a little deep dive, and I was looking on your Wikipedia, and it says you had a junior rivalry with a kid named Will Baird. And I'm just curious, is that a real thing, or is that make-believe? It's actually funny. I see that, because I saw his little brother at USDA before, Will Baird's little brother, and his mom was down there, and she told me like that that was on there, that I was on my Wikipedia page. I had no idea. So then I, I like messaged like Will Baird and I'm like <laughs> like I, I was I was trying to figure out if he put it up there or not, but I have no idea what that's about. But I definitely did play him a ton of times in juniors, like at least twenty. <laughs> and was it a back and forth? Like were you were you yeah, like going back was, and forth? Oh yeah. All battles too, like three sets, like every match. It was crazy. <laughs> You guys had an incredible group of young Americans and juniors, you know, with Taylor and Riley. Talk about uh, the year that you, I mean, you made the finals of the Orange Bowl in the 16s. I think you lost to Rublev, if I'm not mistaken. And then that's that same year, or, or I think it's the next year, you won the French and then lost to Taylor in the finals of the, the Junior U.S. Open. What was your trajectory at that point? What was your mindset? Did you think uh, a professional career in tennis was in, on the horizon? Yeah, like I definitely always thought about pro tennis. I mean, when I first started playing tennis, like that's obviously what I wanted to do. And then as I got older, like I always thought that I was going to go to college for sure first. And uh, like I obviously wanted to turn pro, but I just didn't know if I'd be ready before before uh, that time. And that was really the, the the thing for me. I just wanted to know if I was ready before the time that I would go to college. And I just felt like I, I was ready to for me to go out and start playing on tour. I felt like I was ready, mindset, I had a good mindset and everything. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, 
you you're not you're a humble kid, so you won't say this, but I will. You also won, you know, sixteenth Kalamazoo, a couple of clay court titles. And so having that success, you know, in the sixteens, did you, you know, focus on that when, you know, adjusting your mindset for the eighteens and for those junior slams and was were those sixteen successes something you drew confidence for or from? Um, I mean honestly I, I really think that playing futures at a young age, like in the like when I was fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, playing futures then really helped me to kind of move on to 18s from the 16s because right after all that 16 stuff like Diego put me right into uh in the futures and I think that was a really good thing for me because the step to from 16s to 18s to uh ITF tours it's like uh it's not that big of a difference I mean as long as you get used to it no for sure I mean I can imagine and you know you also uh I think you've been part of the academy system for the USDA your whole life, right? I mean, once I turned 13, probably. Your whole tennis life, I guess. It doesn't really count what you're doing in the 12s. Um, but I guess, what was it like growing up at Everett Academy? You know, I saw some funny photos, and so I imagine there were some good times. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was... I mean, you, I don't know if you know how it is, like, uh, dorming with a bunch of guys. <laughs> I mean, you obviously have a good time. Because you make a lot of friends and everyone does what you do, but I mean, it definitely is tough living away from home and like you have so many rules, it's so strict and you can't do whatever you want. And I'm a big guy on freedom, like I like my freedom. <laughs> so I'm assuming you went the Laurel Springs route growing up, right? <laughs> yeah, I did like Florida virtual. Okay, Florida Virtual. Okay, you know, is, was that a plug for Florida Virtual? Go check out Florida Virtual. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, they, they how, how was that? It was good. How how was that growing up though? Managing your time between school and you know a full time tennis career as a junior. Oh man, I'm not gonna lie. I got really far behind. <laughs> like I was not good with managing that time. For sure. Is that why you decided, actually, I'm going to skip Georgia? You know, I don't need it. <laughs> no, that's that's not the reason. I I, uh, I committed to Georgia talking to Manny Diaz, and then I, I always told him, like, hey, like, I'm going to go to your school. Like, I'm, I'm committed to go there, but uh, if I have a couple of really good results, then I'm I'm going to go pro. And he, he was always – he was good about it. He was always supporting me and helping, so it was good. So, quick – Side question, because I've always wondered, you know, I wasn't back at a tennis, so I didn't have my first school. You obviously did. Was that something where it was like you, Nate Tonlis, Riley, Fritz, or like we should all go to the same school, do a little LeBron thing in Miami? Or was it was that not really part of the decision? Did you talk to them about this? Uh, because we, we used to always say that we used to always say like, yo, we should just go to some, we should just go to some small school, like all six of us, and just like win natties. <laughs> <laughs> Completely change the course of of their program forever. Like, oh, yeah, dude, exactly. You should have come to Michigan. We would have loved it. Yeah, like that. The coach will get a huge raise, and it'll just be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start calling it the Tommy Paul Tennis Center. I would have been happy for that. <laughs> Speaking of, um, I know, you know, I think your parents are now based out of Greenville, North Carolina. Is that right? No, they live up outside of uh, 
Philadelphia. My mom got remarried and moved up near Philadelphia. Okay, because we we did an interview with Patrick Kipson early on in, in the fall or maybe late summer, and he mentioned yeah. that that you all were pretty tight, um, and he maybe grew up in the same city as you did or or in the North yeah, Carolina we, area. Maybe. We basically we basically grew up in the same neighborhood. The first time like he ever came to go play tennis was at the place that I trained at, and I was there that day. Like I was there every single day. So I mean, it was it was cool. Like I literally got to see him start playing tennis and grow up and obviously I was growing up at the same time too you know yeah yeah and I mean he's had a pretty good uh summer winning winning Kazu and I mean what what's your prediction yeah. there you think he's going to go the, the college tennis route or he's going to go pro as well um I don't know I I just I was just practicing with him yesterday and I don't really ask him too much about that I don't really know what he's going to do and I mean, he's definitely playing some good tennis right now, but I don't know. We'll see. No, for sure. And so you mentioned you're practicing with him. Does that mean you're all down in Orlando training together? Yeah, he, he's down here right now. He's staying. And so, I don't know where he's staying. He asked, he asked to stay with me, but I got him <laughs> staying with me right now. And uh, my mom's my mom's coming tomorrow, so I'm kicking Slim out. Uh-huh. Does that mean you guys are cleaning the house after this? Yeah, definitely cleaning the house. <laughs> Wait, so you brought up Deaton. I have to ask for our fans. We we obviously um, had Deaton bombing on the podcast about a month or so ago now, and we've heard some rumblings through the grapevine that he may be dropping a mixtape. Slim Rising, you have to give us the inside scoop on, on the mixtape. Uh, I mean, he, he just tells me it's coming soon. I mean, he's, he's inside right now. I, I should get him to come out and like freestyle for us. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that, this will be the most listened cracked rackets podcast of all time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new sound effect for sure. <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, you talk about winning the Junior French Open as a big part of your career, but you know you also won back-to-back teachers' titles in May of that year. Uh, did, you know which was I guess when you're getting ready for your pro career, which was more important to you in terms of gaining confidence, winning those pro titles or winning that junior slam? Oh wow, that's actually cool that you asked me that because like no one, no one's really asked me that. Everyone just kind of assumed that it was the French Open, and I. Honestly, I, I really got a lot more uh, like confidence from winning those winning those futures. Yes, I can imagine. Didn't you beat Fritz in one of those tournaments? Yeah, yeah, in in the the first one in the semis. Yeah, for sure. I mean, were those on clay? I mean, you, I imagine growing up in Florida, you played a lot on clay. Uh, were those futures also on clay? Yeah, those those were. They were in like I think one was in Spain and one was in Italy. And there was actually a crazy story about that last, the last future. I played my final, the final of the tournament, um, the day before my first round of juniors. And I asked for a second day start at French Open and they didn't give it to me. So I had to play like first on the next day. I had to fly. I got there at like two in the morning and then played first on. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. You know, you, you go back to back futures in May. You've actually gone back to back futures, I think, in two other times, uh, Florida beginning of last year and then June this year. What was it? Are you just streaky? Two weeks is your thing? You're getting ready for the slam? 
I've always said that I like two, two and three weeks. Like when I go on trips for two and three weeks, I like, I can go on streets. <laughs> is, is that all just, you know, the momentum side or is that a confidence side or is that just kind of how your game is? What, 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 why do you think that is? Is that just a mentality overall? Honestly, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> that's just, that's just been how history, uh, has played out it sounds like but uh talk to us a little bit about uh growing up with this next gen this crop of next gen american players there's a lot of hype around this group and i mean is it really it sounds like it's a a fun time honestly being down at lake nona uh with all of your buddies training in the sport that you love are you all pushing each other just talk to us a little bit about that dynamic and, and how that plays out on a daily basis yeah, I mean, it's definitely cool that we can all practice with each other. I mean, like, today we played, uh, like, a bunch of matches. We had, like, 12 courts going of matches of all high-quality tennis players. So, I mean, that's definitely the best part of it. And then, I mean, it's just a bonus that we all get along extremely well and we're all really good friends. I mean, the natural follow-up question to that, and I actually did ask uh, Fritz this last night, but how did you not get the nod as best man for his wedding? No, that was Riley. Riley and him have always just had like a little thing for each other. <laughs> That's what I was looking for. I like that. <laughs> did uh, did Riley crush the best man speech? He actually did a really good job. I was helping him write it, but he did a really good job. Yeah. Did uh, did Slim do the rewrite and he made it a wrap? <laughs> he should. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, just, I mean, back on to the, these next-gen guys, what are you expecting from this group the next three to five years? Because, you know, it's been since 2003, since American tennis fans have had a grand slam on the male side, you know, since Roddick in 03. But where do you see this group going, and do you think that uh, we can get a grand slam out of this group, at least at least one? I don't see why not. I mean, everyone... Everyone in the group has the potential to do it. There's nothing holding anyone back from doing it. It's just all of us working hard, you know? Even beyond the American guys, you've played Rublev, Jirev, Chorich. I mean, all of their success must give you the confidence, you know, to know that you can play in those matches as well. Yeah, I mean, that that was something that was big for me at the beginning of this year, just seeing all the the guys from the U.S. my age doing really well and, Seeing Fritz, Riley, like Francis, like all making jumps into the top hundred, and I mean, it kind of motivated me, and it and it showed me that I can kind of do it, you know. And how big of a role has uh, Diego played in you know your progression as a as a pro? Does he? I, I know he's you know he has the reputation, um, but I mean, how big has he been, and how crucial has he been this year specifically? huge i mean I, honestly coaching wise it's starting to like all the hard work is starting to show a little bit more and hopefully i can keep playing even better you know um but i think diego just the whole time i've been with him for almost six years so it's been really cool uh working with him and he's definitely done an amazing job i wouldn't want to work with anyone else right now we were actually in cincinnati at the western and southern this summer and uh, I had the opportunity to briefly meet Diego, but uh want to talk about because um, in at in the Western and Southern you beat D Young uh, four and six, I believe. 
mm-hmm. whenever whenever you go into those matches with experienced Americans who you know have have a reputation on tour have have broken the top fifty. Um, is there a certain level of, of confidence or a certain uh, mentality that you have to go in to know that you can compete and not only compete with a guy like Donald Young, but to beat him? Um, honestly, for me, I think the biggest thing going into that match is just having practice with him before. I mean, I like to kind of know who I'm playing a little bit and I, I've practiced with him a lot before and, played a lot of practice sets and those I just knew that I could uh play good tennis with them and like I've I know that I could compete with them I know you're giving a couple fist pumps to the uh to your box a little bit with Diego up there is that part of your guys' routine or was that specific to that match yeah no that, that match whenever I play an American since he's a USGA coach he can't cheer for me or give me any like fist pump or any reaction so I, I always just, just bump out of anyway and just look at him, not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a little dig at Diego, like trying to get a reaction out of him. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But like I see him like sometimes want to do something, but he can't. <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, I mean, in terms of, you know, playing those ATT matches this summer, obviously you had a great run in Cincinnati, but also in Atlanta and in D.C., uh, I want to. I, I have a couple questions, if you don't mind. I want to start with the Mueller matches. You know, what changed in in your in between your two matches with Jill's Mueller that really allowed you to win that second one? I mean, when I played him the first time, uh, we were having a really good match. I was all of his service games. I'm pretty sure all of his service games until four three in the first. I got to deuce. I, I might have even had a break point in, that, in every one of his service games until four three. I was, like, playing really close with him, and then it started raining, and I came back out, and I don't know, he just started playing a lot different and uh, messed with my head a little bit, and then in D.C., I just kind of made sure not to let that happen, and I had a lot of a lot of support in D.C. A bunch of the guys from the UNC tennis team came out to my match, and they were heckling, like, the hell out of this guy. I mean, this guy was, like, losing his mind, so I think that helped a lot. <laughs> was that was that led by Blumberg? Blumberg wasn't there. It was led by Bo Boyden. He was another guy on the team. He was the one who like clinched and did all the big stuff for them this year. So it was Boyden, and was Ronnie there too? Uh, Andrew Gores was there. It was oh, like you. I don't know, a bunch of guys. Yeah, no, that sounds freaking awesome. Did they come to Nishikori match as well? Yeah, but I couldn't really hear him in that in that crowd because like ever, there were a bunch of people there. But yeah, had, in the other match, it was them. really them. Oh, <laughs> that sure. match was crazy. Yeah, I, I was actually watching, you know, not that this is akin to your experience if you freaking played the match, but I was watching it at home uh, live with my little brother, and he was devastated. When, uh, on the freaking drop shot that Nishikori hit, just ridiculous. How crazy was that? It went over the net by like half an inch. It was crazy. And then the Earlier, like, he hit the ball and shanked on the baseline. Oh, it sucked. Yeah, oh, I just remember, first of all, he was cranking forehands. Like, what, he hit one forehand inside in on a match point. That was just out of this world. Like, I can't believe he's going for this. Um, yeah, I, I mean, remember that. I, I, yeah, I was feeling, I felt it. I don't know if that helps you at all, but I was, it was devastating. Yeah, it's okay. It was a good match, though. Yeah, that was okay. fun to watch. <laughs> well, piggybacking off that, who are some of the guys on 
on tour that are just you either look forward to playing or you're like I you know I am not looking forward to playing this like this guy's uh game style is very frustrating or it's just gonna be you know an all-out battle is there somebody that comes to mind <laughs> uh I mean I I don't know. When I played Mueller, I was kind of like, this guy's got like 38. He's got like 30 aces on me. <laughs> <laughs> and then you pulled it out anyway. Yeah, and he still had like 25 aces. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, that's just something that you have to, you know, it's going to happen. You just got to let it be. Yeah, no, no, it was good. I, I just, it, it, I don't know, it bothers me when I get aced. I hate it. <laughs> For sure. I mean, the natural follow-up, then, it's the last match of the year, you know, with Fritz, uh, that that was a brutal, was he acing you? And, you know, is it tough playing those next-gen guys? I actually haven't played too many of them. I mean, I just played uh, Fritz this year. I don't know who else I, I played from the next-gen group. Played Mo uh, at the beginning of the year. But I haven't played too many of them. I I mean, I kind of like playing, it just, playing them just because, like, we all know each other's game really well, and um, it's kind of just like who's tougher. Well, I mean, you have a pretty long history with uh, Taylor throughout the juniors, but whenever you do play one of those next-gen guys that you're boys with or you train with on a regular basis, is it one of those things where, I mean, it's it's all, you know, all business going into the match, sure, but you all, you know, grab food after, grab a drink after, whatever, and it's all the same? Or is there a period after the match, like a cooling-down period where, you kind of got to let things settle a little bit. You know what I mean? We not not really. I mean, before before matches, we grab dinner together. We like if we're sometimes like I room with Riley in tournaments, and like we'll have to play. And then I don't know. I've I've roomed with Fritz, and I've had to play him. We we're pretty close before and after the match. I mean, usually we give ourselves like the like the five minute cool down after the match before we start talking to each other. But we're we're all pretty close. Going into your off season, obviously ending with that that injury must not have been fun. Uh, how are you feeling now, and uh, how has that affected your off season preparation? Uh, not at all. I mean, it, it feels I'm 100% on my back now. I mean, I had like a week and a half off, like weights and tennis, uh, right after that tournament. So I just kind of rested up during that week and um, got ready for preseason. All right, I have a couple of questions I want to sneak in before I know Dalton will want to ask you some rapid fires. But, you know, in honor of Parsa, I did do a deep dive on your Instagram and Twitter. So I do have a couple of fun questions. Uh, I want to ask, so, so you talked about liking freedom earlier. Is that why you dyed your hair blonde? <laughs> uh, I don't know why I dyed my hair blonde. I kind of just, I kind of just did it because why not? I don't know. I wanted to change. <laughs> Deaton yeah, didn't did. talk you into that, did he? Because I know he dyed his hair back in the day. That's where he got the slim, you know, slim shady. Man. I mean, I don't think it was Deaton who talked me into it, but I mean, it might have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so then the natural follow-up to that is, tell me about the pumpkin era. Oh, that, those were good times, man. Those were really good times. Um. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know how that started. It was just like those California swings before, before Halloween. Um, they just go in the grocery store and you see pumpkins and I always just grab one and treat it like my baby. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so when did this start? Cause I know it was like 
on social media for a while, maybe on Twitter, but how did like tell our fans how that all started? So you just saw a pumpkin and that was, that was just a reoccurring thing after that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it started in, um, Sacramento one year. I was at, I was actually at the grocery store with Riley and, and Fritz and no, 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 I was just at the grocery store with Riley and I, and I got the, the pumpkin. I was like, why not? Right. Get it. Why not get a pumpkin? So I got it and I was like carrying it. I was carrying it around everywhere with me and we, we were meeting Fritz and like a really fancy dinner. Cause I don't know. I don't know if you heard, but Fritz only eats at five star restaurants. He <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, we we meet him there, and I I bring the pumpkin to the table and set it on the table, and that that was when it kind of blew up. That's when we were like, "All right, this is going everywhere." <laughs> oh my god, that is an epic story. <laughs> Especially the yeah. tidbit about the fact that Fritz will always eat at five star restaurants. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> he, he loves them in New York. It's crazy. I can't keep up with him. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he cracked the top 100 one time, and he thinks he's rolling in the big bucks. <laughs> but then on the topic of food, again, I saw, I think, some Twitter post or YouTube interview, and you said your favorite burger place was Burger Five, and I could not disagree more. And I just wanted to let you know that Five Guys is clearly superior to Burger Five, and I just I don't know how you could say that. Yeah, I, I don't know what I was thinking, man. I, was, <laughs> I don't know. I, I honestly don't, like, I don't really like Burger Fight that much, to be honest. I, I went to a stage where I loved it, but it's definitely not my favorite right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to agree with you. I like Five Guys the best. Oh, so it, it was just, like, at that time, maybe, like, right before the interview or something, you had at Burger Five, yeah. and you were feeling it at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I was just fiending for it. I'm pretty sure I had it later that day. <laughs> Oh, that's all. So while we're on this topic and you don't have to go into the dinner aspect, but we, you know, word on the street is earlier this fall, you and Riley had a nice time at Universal Studios. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> well, you know, give us the lowdown first and foremost about, you know, Riley and his ability or inability to ride rides, and then who who your guests, who your lovely guests were that weekend or that day. <laughs> All right. So I, I was talking to this girl, Morgan, and uh, he was like, "Oh, like she's gonna come up to Orlando for the week." I was like, "Cool." She's like, and he was like, "Oh, we gotta do something." He, he told me we gotta go to Universal. I was like, "All right, let's do it for Halloween Horror Nights. Sounds like a good time." But I didn't know she was bringing a friend at first, but then she brought a friend. So I was happy, definitely. But then it ended up just being me, Riley's girl, and another girl going on all the rides again because Riley couldn't fit on any of them. <laughs> <laughs> so he would just I mean, wait down at the, like, whatever, not at the lobby, but just, like, watch you all ride the rides and then would wait at the exit. Yeah, yeah, and I would like go through the lines with these girls, and I looked like like a pimp or something. <laughs> <laughs> that is I that mean, is just the, awesome. The natural follow-up there is when you text, you know, two friends, you have to tell them, "Hey, my friend stepped foot." Yeah, exactly. They gotta know. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta clarify that. I mean, you don't just come across a seven-foot guy every day. Yeah. But the worst uh, part is we bought the fast pass. Riley bought the fast pass and they couldn't go on the ride. 
So they were only good for like the horror houses. Uh, oh man, that is hilarious. Um, if I can, if I can sneak one more in. Um, so again, I looked through your Twitter, and so this is a quote from you. If there are three stalls and you choose the middle one, you are weird. What, what, how did that come about? Uh, I was no, it was because I was in. I don't remember what airport I was in, but I was in an airport and I went to the bathroom. And I mean, I had to go to the bathroom, you know. <laughs> and there were there were only there were three stalls, and one guy went in the middle one like he wants to sit right next to me or something. He probably <laughs> knew that you were. He probably knew that you were Tommy Hustle and was like, you know. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. I haven't got. I haven't had anyone come up to me in the airport. <laughs> Not yet. 2018 is the year. Uh, <laughs> uh, by the way, just as a, a final question before we roll into our last segment, I know we want to be conscious of your time. You and Deaton need to go get on with your night here. But what are you know? What are some of your expectations for 2018? What would it take for you to say, you know, Tommy Paul had a successful 2018? I don't know. I just want to win a lot of tennis matches. I don't want to lose much. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't really, I like that. I, don't, I haven't really thought about uh, results or anything. I just don't want to lose matches because of, like, checking out in 2018. That's my goal. I like that. Just the, the, the winner mentality and just win every match. I love it. Yeah. Don't lose. That's my that's my goal. <laughs> that's your New Year's resolution right there. I love it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, put, put that on so, a campaign slogan. Don't lose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're gonna roll over to our rapid fire uh, segment here. This is a uh, cracked racket fan favorite here. Um, and I know Westhoff's going to hate me for saying that, but so I'm going to, I'm going to give you 10, 10 questions, uh, in rapid succession and you're going to answer with, uh, with a one word answer here. So you ready to rock? Yeah. My hint uh, to you, and I always give this, the answer is smell. Just trust me. <laughs> is what? The answer is smell. You'll know when it's time. All right. All right. So here we go. Uh, favorite tennis player? Me. <laughs> favorite drink on the court water favorite meal off the court pasta burger favorite fry <laughs> favorite video game 2k if you were to take away any stroke in tennis which would it be uh tweener favorite song or artist right now playboy party favorite uh, favorite court surface hard favorite city in the world wow I mean, you can pick New a York. couple if you want. New York, New York, Miami, L.A., <laughs> Houston, Atlanta. Charlotte. <laughs> uh, favorite athlete, non-tennis related. Um, I like Neymar a lot, but I'm not too big into soccer. So you wouldn't take Fritz in FIFA? No, no, I'm I'm really bad at FIFA. <laughs> uh, favorite thing about a fresh can of tennis balls is. The smell. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, Tommy, we had a blast tonight, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, good we, luck, uh, Tommy, with your off season. Pleasure doing this with you. Yeah, best of luck in eighteen, and we'll we'll have to have you on in a couple uh, months whenever that New Year's resolution comes true, man. Yeah, exactly. We'll do it. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. We'll talk to you. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Gruskin and I's conversation with Tommy Paul. Tommy had a great 2017 season, taking home a couple Futures titles. And uh, he's just an overall freak athlete. We can't wait to see what 2018 has in store for Tommy. I know the crack team was in Cincinnati to see him at the Western and Southern. And it was incredible seeing him taking down uh, fellow American Donald Young. So I, I know we've got he's got a, a very high ceiling and we're excited to watch him here. Um, we'll certainly be watching the next couple of days. Hope he qualifies for the Australian Open here. Also, a major shout-out to the magician, our producer, and the one and only Daniel Westoff. He uh, works his magic to make us sound smart around here. Big shout-out to Westoff. We also have a few big interviews on the horizon. Michael Moe, Ty Kwiatowski, and we still have blue-chip senior Axel Neve, who just committed to Notre Dame, uh, blue-chip junior Jensen Brooksby, and we also have Oklahoma commit Mason Byler coming for you soon. So stay tuned there. Honestly, we appreciate all the support, and uh, we couldn't be doing this without you. Uh, This is for all the tennis heads out there that are uh, hungry for coverage. So go subscribe to the Cracked Interviews podcast as well as the Great Shot podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram and go like the Facebook page. And please don't forget to rate and review our podcast at iTunes. And we are also now on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and wherever you get your podcasts. So check us out there. And I know most of you are doing this already. We've seen the numbers spike the last couple weeks. But continue to tell your friends and family about us, especially those tennis heads and, you know, Uncle Joe or or Aunt Cindy, who is, you know, really into tennis and is looking for Australian Open coverage the next couple weeks to check out CrackedRackets.com. But for one, Alex Gruskin and Daniel Westoff, I'm Dalton Thieneman, and we will see you next time with Jensen Brooksby. Hello, every day it is a pressure.